Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Today marks the 50th year of Earth Day. People around the world take action and will do things to support and acknowledge climate change. The theme for this year's Earth Day is climate action and we're going to be discussing movies that draw upon the significance of the human impact on our planet. I'm Craig Fields and I'm joined by two other members of the Is It Worth It podcasting team. Hello, I'm David Long. (laughs) Hello, I'm Floss Hafter. And we're starting off by talking about what Earth Day means to us and uh, what Earth Day means to me. Uh, It's a reflection on how we can live green or greener, uh, acknowledging the problem of climate change. And I think it's, um, you know, something I've delved into further, uh, especially with the facts after watching some of these documentaries that I've watched uh, specifically for this episode. And it has made me realise that I can do so much more on a personal level. You know, simply from eating less meat or, you know, just turning off the lights um, or switching to a renewable energy supplier. These things can all have a massive impact, even just on a, on a simple local level. And I think Earth Day is something that we all need to just acknowledge and do something about. Um, David, what about yourself? Yeah, it's great to be here. I mean, for me, Earth Day is a time to um, reflect and appreciate. I mean, firstly, reflect upon the earth and what's happened on earth in the last year and particularly this year with the theme being climate action it's given me a chance to like craig said reflect on my own um actions um but for me it's more about appreciating mother earth um those of you that know me will know that i absolutely love my wildlife i love my nature uh, and i'm most at home when i'm watching a david attenborough documentary um and i think david attenborough documentaries just show the beauty of planet earth the wide variety of species on our planet and how unique and special our planet is in a vast vast universe and it's a planet we should really really be taking care of so for me earth day is about reflecting and appreciating our wonderful home planet yeah uh really beautifully put there david uh floss what about yourself well like kind of what you guys have said already um earth day is a nice reminder of the wonderful, wonderful place that our planet is, but also a reminder of how awful we are to our planet. And it's easy to feel powerless to change anything, but it's, you know, again, a reminder that we do have the power to change stuff. It might be the tiniest change ever, but if enough of us change um, in enough numbers, then the tide will turn. And yes, we, we have to take care of the Earth because it takes care of us so well. Mm. absolutely and one of the things that david and i were discussing um the other day was just how perfect the earth is within our solar system it's in that goldilocks zone and it's something to be in that goldilocks zone and and it's just so perfectly (laughs) placed you know and and it really does look after us in every sense of them of of the of the word and you know we really should try and do more to, to look after it um and we're going to move on to to films that we think you should watch on Earth Day, and these have they have um, relevance, I think, in in the sense of reflecting upon in in the films that I've picked anyway. Um, what 
we have done to to our planet and what we are continuing to do and how we can reflect on upon that um so do you guys mind if i go first no i don't mind kick us off mr fields kick us off okay well the first film that i've chosen is avatar um i'm a big big fan of of science fiction films and i think a lot of people know what avatar is about um so i won't give such a massive detailed analysis or um you know uh, intro to what this film is but essentially underneath this very impressive graphical movie is simply a story about how the human race have plundered the wealth of its home and have to had to move on to another planet or in this case a very habitable moon of a gas giant within Alpha Centauri and within that moon you know mine this special rock that is very very um capable of doing some very impressive things um it's like a superconductor basically um and in that process of mining this rock they basically destroy an ecosystem murder the indigenous humanoids that that live there um and there's only a certain number of people that are aware of just the true wealth of what's around them on this this beautiful lush Mm. moon um and i feel like that it reflects completely and utterly what is going on on this planet so blindly right now and how we're plundering all of the wealth within it um destroying ecosystems uh and then moving on to other ecosystems and destroying that you know there's just so many creatures that have been on this planet who have been made extinct because of the way that we've plundered the 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 wealth of what we've got around us and it's tragic and and Underneath, as, as I say, Avatar's impressive graphics is this really um, impressive, true reflection on what's going on in society today. Yeah, I totally agree, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Avatar is a lot about like the arrogance of humans, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Just the Absolutely. entitlement to show up anywhere and take whatever we want because there's a weird, just because we evolved clever, like the feeling that that entitles us to take everyone else's stuff. I got quite angry watching it. <laughs> I know they're not real, yeah. but well, it's not even. It's not just the fact that they're not real, but they they are kind of real in in a sense. Um, you know, these are humanoid creatures um that are very spiritual and and Mm. and as i said they're they're indigenous to that planet there are indigenous um humans on our planet that have been you know driven back into their you know the fringes of their society and had to you know dwindled in numbers because of the way that we've exploited their surroundings i suppose and it's exactly the same a true reflection on, on what's going on in this planet right now. Well, yeah, there's a lot of stuff about um, sacred Native American ground being just absolutely... Uh, the, the oil pipeline that Trump wants to build right through Native American land. And, you know, he can do that, I guess, but he really, really shouldn't. Mm. I mean, legally, Wait, um, yeah. he can. He absolutely should not. <laughs> Exactly. Going off topic. Sorry. No, no, it's very much on topic. Trump comes up. Yeah, he is very much on topic. Most of the documentaries that we'll touch upon later really challenge and and look at how he has, 
I don't know, ripped up every agreement possibly going to to make things better for the Americans when he thinks what he's doing is is better actually for for them, and it's just it's just strange. Um, but getting back onto onto topic with 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 Avatar is just. I, I know David rewatched it the other day. Mm. Was there anything you picked up different from what we, uh, we've talked about already that could maybe join the dots there, or have we pretty much do you think touched upon everything there? No, I think you've you've touched upon a lot of themes there. I think one of the real tragedies actually about Avatar is the fact that the the humans or as the sky people, as the natives refer to them, actually even have to be in on this planet or going to this planet at all in the first place. What the film reveals is that the reason that the humans are having to go to this planet to plunder its resources is because they've completely destroyed their home planet. Um, and, you know, in, in science fiction, it's always very easy for the humans to leave planet Earth and go into the expanses of space and look for other planets. But in reality, that isn't an option for us, you know, um, yes, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, but the moon is 250,000 miles away and the moon cannot sustain life. Um, you know, so we've got to take our actions very, very seriously. And I think the, the, the main travesty about Avatar is the fact that the humans are even having to go to this planet in the first place. And when they get there, the way they conduct themselves is pretty, pretty abhorrent. But you, you see that. You see that with with what humans are doing to naturally beautiful beautiful parts of this planet you know if it, if it means cutting down rainforests then we do it if it means you know um pushing indigenous people out of their homes to to put in oil pipelines or whatever i mean we do it so it's i mean technically it's a fantastic film and i won't go into the details there but no overall for the for this episode i thought avatar was a great great choice and i'm really looking forward to the to the second one which i believe comes out in 2021 Maybe not anymore. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> it could be 2022, 2023, who knows? I mean, James Cameron has has done um, a lot of stuff with Avatar over the years, but nothing that we've really kn- known much about. Mm. It's just been really hidden behind some curtains and we're looking forward for it to be revealed, really. Um, David, I think following on from Avatar, I think you you might have one that maybe relates and connects very well with that. Yeah, so um, a, a similar theme, really, about um, humans destroying their own planet or the planet becoming inhabit- uninhabitable, I should say, if I can get my words out, and having to leave it. Uh, and I've gone for Interstellar. Um, now, some people might think that's a bit of a bizarre uh, film choice for Earth Day, considering that it's obviously spe- set in, in deep space. Um, but the basic premise of this film is that a blight... Um, which is a plague that has ravaged almost all remaining food sources on Earth, um, has spread across the planet. Um, And when the film occurs or when the film is set, the last crops of okra are dying off, leaving just corn as the only viable food source for humanity. So the Earth is in such a sorry state that literally the only crop that can be grown is corn. And Michael Caine's character says this quote, and this is one of the main quotes that I pulled out of the film that I think is really relevant to this episode. Michael Caine's character says, the last people to starve will be the first people to suffocate and your daughter's generation will be the last people on earth. Um, And Matthew McConaughey's character and a number of other characters go into space. Um, They end up actually using a wormhole to travel into a completely different galaxy. 
Um, and visually and technically, it is just the most masterful film. I mean, my jaw, I watched this on my iPad. I rewatched it on my iPad a couple of days ago. My jaw just hit the floor for the technical achievement of this film, very similar to Avatar. But really what blew me away was, again, the Earth was in such a sorry state that man had to leave um, on this life-saving mission. And if you've never seen Interstellar, it's by the brilliant director Christopher Nolan. Um, it's it's well worth watching and certainly th fits into the the themes of this episode. And like, Craig, I know it's... I mean, I might be putting words in your mouth, but I think it's one of your favourite ever films. No, you're absolutely right. It, it is one of my favourite films of all time. And it wasn't a film that I would have picked for this episode because the, the connections there are slightly tenuous, <laughs> but they are there nonetheless. It, it, is, it is a film that um, touches upon... Uh, the 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 devastation of the earth and what we've done to it and 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 the blight that's taken over the crops and we're no longer able to eat the food uh, or grow food essentially because no yeah. plants can be sustained because they just die basically um, and they it's the part where they then move into space is what makes it just so brilliant and it's the fact that a lot of this was all scientifically backed up by scientists who had the physics and the numbers and crunched the numbers and run it through simulators and gave us a visual representation of what wormholes would be like or a black hole and what it'd be like to orbit around it and that for me was just stunning it was mm. visually an absolute masterpiece and and Christopher Nolan's a fantastic director anyway and um his his use of time and yeah. his con the concept of time is he's just he's just fascinated by it that's relativity um, folks and, <laughs> <laughs> but but time is something that is on isn't on our side here yeah in terms totally of climate change just about to say that, yeah. um yeah exactly i mean time is 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 relative as you say but we we cannot put a date on when things could change really um you know we are just causing so much devastation and polluting and warming our climate to then melt the ice caps and all of that sort of stuff. And how long have we got left? We don't know. But if we start making that change now and really make that change, things might be, be better off in the future. But we still don't know. Mm. Yeah. Floss. What yes. did you have to say about Interstellar? Well, do you know what? Interstellar, I'm sure, will be one of my favourite films of all time when I watch it. <laughs> but I am the biggest Christopher Nolan fan. When this film came out, um, I was at uni and I couldn't convince anyone to come and watch it with me. And it was when yeah. I'd have had to like get on the train and travel a little bit to go to the cinema. And I wasn't feeling brave enough to go by myself at that time. And then when it came out, on streaming and DVD, I didn't want to do it a disservice by watching it on a tiny little laptop or anything. Mm. Yeah. So I just haven't watched it yet, and it's one of those things I feel cross about it all the time <laughs> that I missed it when it was in we, cinemas. We will have a viewing of this together then, and mm. we'll have it on a big screen somewhere. I think it's a it's you've yeah you've got to see it on the big screen to really get the visual sensation of it yes <laughs> but do you know what craig i think the amazing thing about interstellar is like i said i rewatched it on my ipad it's it's it is watchable on a smaller screen i can i mean i would love to see this in imax i would be blown away by it but floss if you haven't seen it i i think it will go into your top 10 
because I just think if you love Christopher Nolan and if you and I love space <laughs> and, and you love space, like Craig says, what I've they got... do with wormholes and black holes is honestly jaw dropping. I was lost for words when I rewatched this. Yeah, I've got um, a plan to watch it in the near future. We should all watch it together when we can um, when we can yeah. get out. <laughs> Yeah, I've got it on Blu-ray, so um, we can definitely watch it on a a large screen and get the really amazing quality of it. So that'd be cool. Uh, Floss, what's your your first choice? My first choice is Spirited Away. Mm. Um, have you guys seen Spirited Away? Not yet. No. Ah, well, it's one of those films that is. It's not. If someone asked you what it's about, I mean, it's about a girl who gets trapped in a spiritual bathhouse in like a strange spirit dimension but the more i think about it as i get older it is all about the environment and how humans corrupted the world basically to the extent there's like this massive disconnect between the spirit spirit world and the human world um and yeah so there's this this girl, Chihiro, and she's in this bathhouse. All the spirits hate her because she's human, because humans stink, because humans are greedy. Um, she's <laughs> trying to rescue her parents, who have basically turned into pigs because they were so gluttonous, and they ate all this food from a spirit like food market and just kept eating. It's quite, it's quite a weird one to try and explain what's happening. Yeah. Um, but there's one scene in particular that kind of exemplifies best um which is that you know it's a it's a bathhouse um there's a customer who shows up um everyone's like oh my god it's a stink spirit um smells really bad it's like seeping all this like mud and ooze everywhere and they can't turn him away because he's a customer so they let him into the bath everyone's like freaking out um he's like got all this purple pus coming off him um, and then there's one point where um, the main character, do you know, it's been a few years since I watched it. So if I'm remembering this wrong, I'm sorry. <laughs> but she like pulls, she sees like a spike of something in his side. And she's like, this is bothering him. And she gives it a tug and it's actually a bike handlebar. And she pulls it out and there's this like, like avalanche of trash that falls out the side of him. And it turned out he was not a stink spirit. He's a river spirit that has been so polluted by the human world. He, like, came to the bathhouse to, like, you know, get better. And then he's very grateful. Um, but there's, there's a lot of imagery that is quite resonant now. There's um, a massive rainstorm that happens and then everything is flooded. And she's, there's a scene on a train where she's just going through completely flooded countryside and there's like a distant farmhouse surrounded by water. And I always thought that was such a cool, you know, beautiful but sad image that I'd never see anything like in the real world. And then um, at the end of February this year, I was in Worcester and the flooding was very bad in Worcester and I was in the car and we went past Worcester Cricket Club, which was literally a flooded plane with a little house in the middle yeah. and i was like it's spirited oh away god. oh my god it's all coming true i'm sorry i'm yeah, rambling a bit no 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 not at all i mean it is that visual um imagery that 
we are starting to see in everyday life and and the fact that you've seen something in a in a, in a movie and 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 then it's come to fruition in real life that's such a sobering thought and image as well like yes yeah there's a lot of a lot of the imagery it's not preachy about the environment but it's very clear um that that's what it is about there's she crosses into the magical world across a dried up river there's a lot of stuff about rivers one of the main characters no spoilers um has lost their memory and it's because i mean this is spoilers sorry (laughs) i'll be (laughs) non-specific um they've lost their memory because they were a river spirit and the, the river was paved over to make apartment buildings um yeah it's a lot of stuff like that it's not preaching specifically but the film is set in sort of like the aftermath of human greed mm. and as, as far as i understand this is studio ghibli isn't it yes so uh, from what herbie said on um, one of our cinema at home episodes he was saying that you know studio ghibli is about having these undertones of um you know environmental issues or issues with you know the human race and representing it in a in a strange but beautiful way um and this is exactly what it sounds spirited spirited away has has done um and i am i right in understanding that studio ghibli a lot of their their films have now gone onto netflix so this should be available on there at the minute to watch yes um I'm, okay well that's good i'll double check it maybe because don't want to falsely advertise. No, I, I'm pretty sure Herbie said that the majority of these of the Studio Ghibli were transitioning onto Netflix, um, which I'm pretty sure it, it has. Um, but uh, no, uh, Floss, I think that's a really great choice and one that I haven't seen and that I will see because of the the connection there. Um, it moves kind of nicely on. I don't know, David. Actually, before we do move on. Did you want to touch upon Spirited Away at all? Uh, no, I think you guys have, have pretty much covered it. It's not um, it's not a film I've actually seen, um, but Floss has sold it to me, and hopefully it's on one of the streaming services. It's something that I'd really like to to uh, to catch. I'm, I'm almost certain it's on it's on Netflix, so we could definitely do a Netflix watch party and watch that together. <laughs> <laughs> um. But it does move quite nicely onto my second choice, which was um, which is Wally, uh, the Disney Pixar um, animation, um, which follows a trash compactor robot um, in the future um, in an uninhabitable, unhab- I can't even say the word, um, deserted Earth, and is he's left to clear up all the garbage that's there. Um, but he's visited by uh, a probe that's sent down by a spaceship. Um, where all the humans currently live, and this robot's called Eve, and uh, he falls in love with with this other probe, with this robot, and this, this kind of strange premise there. Um, but the the film sort of um, criticizes like consumerism and uh, corporations, uh, nostalgia, uh, waste management, human environmental impact, and concerns about obesity and and the global catastrophic risk that all of these things pose um and to have that in in a kids film by disney pixar i thought was was really good and it really sent that message home and i remember watching it in the cinema 
Um, I'm really, really, really enjoying it. I'm really getting the message when I saw it in the cinema as well. It wasn't, it wasn't preachy, but it really drove the message home in a really easy to understand and visual way, even though the film has very little dialogue in it. Um, and I thought it's a really great choice for the whole family to watch this one. Um, and it should be on Disney Plus at the minute as well. It's another great film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wally's... Uh, have you both seen it? Yeah, I was just going to say Paul. that, uh, yeah, I've seen it in the cinema. Sorry. It's a brilliant film, really well highlighted from Craig then. Again, it fits into this theme that we're talking about. Um, I remember seeing Wally and just getting really emotional, actually. Um, it's been quite a few years and many, many films in between since I saw it. But I just f- remember it really pulling on the old heartstrings. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's one of those films that will will pull on the heartstrings. And I think it's it's just the physicality of the characters and the way they move and uh, and whatnot. And you can really tell that there is love between two robots and you would never, ever really um, consider that a robot could love. But the way that they've animated it is truly beautiful. And for, for all the reasons that I said above, in the, in the sense of all of the things that fit this Earth Day special... It's a really great one to really educate the kids um, who might be slightly too young to really understand. And it will drive that message home to them about what could be done and what is happening to to our planet. Mm. No, I totally agree. Um, Floss, you were going to say that you saw it in the cinema, didn't you? I think like way back in the day, 2008. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> The through line of the little seedling. Um, I love that film so much. I love that there's like so little dialogue in kind of the first half of the film, but you understand everything. <laughs> and yeah, you get all these really cool relationships established with no words. Like you can tell that he cares about the robot. You can tell that he kind of cares about his little seedling. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say that you haven't said already. Cool. <laughs> Other than the fact that it's a, it's a great choice to watch. Um, so then, David, we're going to move on to your second one then, if you have a second one. I do, yeah. I've been thinking so, so hard about what my second film is going to be and should I pick this film or shouldn't I pick this film, but I'm going to pick this film anyway. Um, it's a ludicrous popcorn thriller, um, which is not really based on... Very sensible science is one way of putting it, but it is a film that certainly fits the bill, and that is The Day After Tomorrow um, from 2004. <laughs> um, Jake Gyllenhaal stars in this. It's one of the first ever films I saw Jake Gyllenhaal in it, and I actually remember seeing this in the cinema. I'd have been 13 at the time, and the first thing to say about it is even now the special effects are are pretty spectacular. Um, there are lots of problems with the film, but this isn't a film review. It's it's a, an Earth Day special. But the, the basic premise of the of the film is that climate change is happening. Um, the the ice caps are melting, and this causes sea levels to rise. And as the sea levels rise, the I think it's called the transatlantic current, or basically the currents that are moving within the oceans are changed because of this rise in sea level. And this causes, you know, really bizarre 
um, weather activity all over the planet from uh, droughts to severe rain to hurricanes to tornadoes. It's a real action-packed film. Um, but what it actually does is it sends the whole Northern Hemisphere into a new ice age. Now, this all happens in about 12 weeks. So like I said, um, the science is pretty ropey. Um, but as a popcorn film, it is very, very entertaining. But it is relevant to this episode in the sense that although the science is off, um, the general pre premise of the film is that humans are impacting the planet and that there are consequences to our actions. I mean, the consequences that unplay here, like I said, are somewhat over the top. But nonetheless, um, it's 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 not a great film, but it's one that I had to mention. And it is a real guilty pleasure of mine. I really remember loving it when I saw it in the cinema. And Craig, I know it's a like we discussed off air. It's the, the the science is ropey, but it is a bit of a guilty pleasure. Yeah, I mean, the science is ropey, but it is based on some some fact. Um, but it it, it feels like it was just over dramatized for the sake of you know typical Hollywood. But that's not to say that it's not sending a, a message out there that if we continue the way that we're going. Mm extreme weather is going to happen and, and extreme weather is happening all over the world you know with the polar ice caps melting uh, and those sea levels rising as you say um our weather patterns change and we have fo forest fires all over the world we have um you know extreme coldness to extreme hotness it's it's extreme and and this goes that same way it just shows us that what could happen if another ice age came? I mean, that isn't the scientific evidence that is suggested that we will be plunged into another ice age. But it is possible that certain cities and countries around, around the world will be underwater to some extent or, you know, plunged into severe coldness or severe hotness. It, is, it isn't beyond the realms of possibility mm. at all. That is almost scientific fact. But... Um, it is a guilty pleasure of mine as well. Yeah. Uh, Floss, what do you think of the, the day after tomorrow? I just find it cool how, like, a couple of decades ago, um, or not even that long ago, these extreme weather things were sort of this big, fantastical, bombastic, like, we're going to make a massive action film out of this, and it's really, you know, it's far-fetched, but really cool. But the amount of stuff that's been happening to our planet, it's not that far-fetched anymore mm, obviously no. not not that science but you know the amazon was on fire australia was on fire we've had horrendous flooding um the ice caps are melting like you know it's in our future if we don't stop it i don't think it's even in our future it's it's happening in our present it's happening right now essentially yes. Um, but it, David, you weren't the only person to to choose this. We put a message out on Twitter for uh, some of our followers to to suggest some films, and Lawline also suggested the day after tomorrow. Yeah. Um. So obviously, it is one of those films that either either way, guilty pleasure. It has got that message, and I think it's a really great choice, David. Yeah. Thanks, mate. I appreciate that. <laughs> um. So Floss, it's your final film. Well, it's sort of it's not a full. A full pitch because it's actually one I've mentioned already um, on a previous episode, but it felt relevant mm. to bring up again. Can you guess what it is? <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> Snowpiercer. Mm. 
It's Snowpiercer. Yes. <laughs> Partly I because... I thought you would bring that up. Very relevant. Very good. Great choice. Great choice. Yeah. And I didn't want to not bring it up just because I've already mentioned it before. I mean, it's one of my favourites, but it's also heavily tied into the reason they're on the train is because they try, they, you know, they try and change the environment and it backfires and they're in a second, they're in another ice age and, um, you know, the environment outside is keeping them trapped in what's happening inside but there's some cool things throughout the film like how they track the passing of time through how much something has thawed each time they pass it and whether or not what that means for them possibly ever leaving the train i don't want to spoil anything (laughs) but um yeah snowpiercer is a good one for earth day for any day i still haven't seen it well, oh, Craig, <laughs> what's your excuse? Don't know what to say to you. And I, I, and and you, you suggested it at least twice before on two different episodes, and I still haven't got around to seeing it. But it is on my watch list. It's on Amazon still, uh, and I will definitely be getting around to watching it. It's just there's so much to see at the minute, and and there's so much work going on, and it's just oh, it's just overwhelming at the minute with things that are happening so mm. um but it is in the watch list for the next few days to, to watch and i've got i've got some time over the weekend to to get on some films that i've missed out on and um, but david you've definitely seen this yeah i've seen it from bong joon ho i watched it oh i can't remember if i watched it before or after parasite but i watched it very close to parasite and it is a great film and it perfectly fits this theme again mankind has done its best to completely screw its own planet up um, and the consequences that come with that. And the way that man behaves on this train and the way that the train is laid out is very, very interesting. And it's a real analysis and reflection on society and what society does um, under pressure. And I think we're seeing that at the moment with coronavirus and, and what's going on in America. You know, people deal with disaster in different ways and, you know, I'm not going to get into the politics of what's going on in America, but it's certainly distressing, <laughs> I think, is one way. Perhaps not yet until we get onto the documentary bit. Of one way of describing There's, what's happening in the yeah. States at the moment. But no, There's Snowpiercer, about the, brilliant. Um, <laughs> the balance of ecosystems, because mm. it, it comes across in, for example, the aquarium, um, I was going to say channel, that's not the right word, the aquarium carriage where mm. they talk about how they can only have sushi twice a year because otherwise they'd upset the ecosystem. It's not about how much fish they eat. It's about not taking too much of a particular fish because it would mess up the balance. And then maybe that you know, reflects back on the ecosystem of people within the train and then people within the planet um, in grim ways i mean it's bong joon ho there's gonna be grim stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to ruin it i feel like i'm spoiling stuff no 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 you're definitely not definitely not um so that's everybody's choices here for films that we think you would enjoy um or maybe not enjoy but maybe <laughs> um i'll have connections to to what we're talking about today with earth day and with climate action um we have some other suggestions from our social media um, 
we've got Loreline suggesting Children of Men, fantastic film. Um, and she also recommends Silent Running as well as A Day After Tomorrow. Uh, and then the Gaming Bear has been in touch as well. And he says that he's going to recommend the overlooked and underappreciated Tomorrowland, proof mm. that Disney can still make a good non-animated film despite some dodgy ones of late. And it has likeable characters and mixes sci-fi elements into an intriguing adventure with a deeply important message. Um, I haven't seen Tomorrowland for ages, but I do remember really, really enjoying it and just wondering why it didn't do better. Um, there were various reasons, definitely, but I would have to look that up again and, and remind myself of those. But Lawline replies to the Gaming Bear saying that she loves Tomorrowland uh, and hopefully a few more will give it a chance as it's on Disney+. Plus. Um, and, and I hope so as well. Yes, it is on Disney Plus. So do give it give it a watch. Um, some some great recommendations there from, from the guys on social media. Mm. Uh, so we're now going to move on to the last part of the show. And that's just talking about some feature documentaries that we think you should watch. Um, I haven't watched an awful lot here with this. Um, I know David's done a lot more research here than I have. David, did you want to put a few forward and talk about them? Um, well, I thought we were going to focus on on the main two that we both watched. Yeah. Um, so the first one would be Before the Flood. Um, did you want me to just give a little bit of a synopsis about what the documentary is about? Yeah, go for it. Um, well, it features uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and one of the executive producers on it was actually Martin Scorsese. Um, I will give the Rotten Tomatoes scores because it's relevant. It gets a 74% from the critics, 77% from the audience, um, which reflects on on what a solidly good documentary it is. Um, basically, the documentary is a look at how climate change affects our environment and what society can do to prevent the demise of endangered species, ecosystems and native communities across the planet. Um, the documentary is called, like I said, Before the Flood, um, it was produced by National Geographic and it's actually currently available on Disney+. Plus. Um, I've got a list of some of the themes here that it touches upon, if you wanted me to, to mention those, Craig. Yeah, go for it. Um, so it touches upon the loss of coral reefs, um, the loss of rainforests for plum, uh, palm oil plantations, um, and obviously the devastating effect that that has on the orangutan population, um, the melting of the ice caps, um, focuses very specifically about CO2 emissions. Um, also touched upon the cattle industry uh, and methane emissions. And as a quite a big beef consumer myself, um, I was actually quite taken aback by some of the statistics um, that that came out of that documentary in regards to cat, the cattle industry and methane. Um, it also proposed a, a really interesting solution or, or a possible solution to some of the problems facing the world, and that is a carbon tax, um, taxing things like coal and oil um, and discouraging big business from using them. Um, but the main three points that this documentary wanted you to get um, from it were, and it was quite clear in this, the, the points were the ice is melting, the earth is warming and sea levels are rising. And the reason I really like this documentary is Leonardo DiCaprio features in it. He, he's the one that's presenting it. He travels all around the world and he gives us various examples of climate change from the ice caps melting to farmers in India having their whole crop for the year completely ruined by floods. Um, and he says, look, I'm, I'm an actor. I'm, I'm not a scientist, but I care about our planet and I'm, I've got a position of power. 
I've got a platform and I'm going to use it for good. And he goes out and he makes this documentary before the flood. It's currently available on Disney Plus, like I said, and I, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, and no, then David, I, I I agree with you. It's a it's a fantastic documentary. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio is is fantastic in the sense that he's using that position, as you say, and and using his platform, I suppose, and and raising the awareness. And he's done been doing that for many many years. But this is like a a, a complete picture, um, and one that is relevant to very much so today. And it, it didn't come out that long ago. Um, the science is still relevant. Um. You know, and and it does feature heavily on 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 uh, the fact you know Donald Trump and and other side, um, politicians and how they can be denying um, what's going on, and it's it's stunning in a sense of or more gobsmacking. Yeah, that there are people out there that are denying that this is even happening. That it's just all a myth, mm. and it is. It's it's upsetting and it's dis- just disturbing as well. It really is. I mean, um, Floss, have you seen this at all? I have not, but I really should. <laughs> You've sold it. <laughs> it is brilliant. Like you said, Craig, I mean, the concerning thing, the, the documentary came out in 2016. Um, it, it was produced before um, the Trump administration. It was actually produced during the Obama administration. And Barack Obama gives an interview to Leonardo DiCaprio um, and they touch upon the Paris Agreement, and we'll, we'll be talking about that actually in a while. But like you said, the real concerning thing is is that the people that are denying climate change aren't sort of crazy YouTubers who want to make a name for themselves. They're people in Congress. They're people in the Senate. They're elected politicians in the United States that are denying mm. something that I think I, I, I saw that I think it's 97 or 98% of scientists agree on. You're obviously going to have a couple of um, scientists that want to make a name for themselves by denying it. But this is something that is unanimously agreed as fact that American politicians deem, deem as just myth. It's, 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 it is a jaw dropping documentary when you see these prominent officials denying what is clearly happening. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're denying it. A lot of them, it would appear from this documentary, are in the pockets of yeah. um, companies um so we won't name them but there are a lot of them that are <laughs> supplying them we're a small podcast we can't really afford to take those guys on um yeah i mean it's it is um just just devastating to see that, that, that people are persuaded by by large sums of money to to deny these things and block all the legislation that goes through it, it's just it's mind blowing um i, I a lot of these documentaries that we've watched do focus on on America, and they are one of the biggest issues here. Um, Before the flood seems to uh, sort of challenge um, more of the world uh, than the next documentary that we'll we'll be touching upon. But it is um, it is strange to see that there are so many corrupt people in the world that would deny this almost unanimous fact that we are facing one of the biggest challenges ever, and that is climate change. Um, and it is just strange. It really is. Mm. Um, Floss, before we move on to our next documentary that we've both seen together, is yes. there one that you wanted to talk about? Uh, well, I was racking my brain to think, what documentaries have I seen about this? And there was one I had to watch for uni 
um, that was called The Age of Stupid, and it's like a weird hybrid, half documentary, half fiction, um, and it's kind of framed, it's like the year, I think it's 2055, and um, the main character is Pete Postlewaite. I don't think he ever has a name, but he's a man kind of living alone in the wreckage of the earth, um, watching kind of, you know, films from the archive, footage from the archive, which is documentary footage from now, and saying, why didn't we do anything when we could? And it kind of just follows, um, like, about six strands, I think, um, like, of individual people's stories on what's how climate change is affecting them where they are and it was i think it was quite cool from what i remember and that was all i had to say on that (laughs) (laughs) no that sounds great um what was it called again sorry i didn't quite catch it at the beginning it's called the age of stupid which i'm guessing Uh, age of stupid yes i have heard of it i have heard of it it was it came up in my research um and uh, i didn't get man uh, managed to have enough time to watch that one but um no that sounds great and i will definitely be watching it because i'm actually quite hooked on some of these um <laughs> david did you want to now talk about before uh before the, the next the next documentary we watched together yeah so the next documentary we watched together is also actually available on disney plus uh, and it came out in 2018 so two years after before the flood um again it's on disney plus because it's produced by national geographic and it's called from paris to pittsburgh um And what this documentary does is Paris to Pittsburgh brings to life the impassioned efforts of individuals who are battling against the most severe threats of climate change in their own backyards. Set against the national debate over the United States energy future and the Trump administration's explosive decision to exit the Paris Climate Agreement, the film captures captures what's at stake for communities around the country and the inspiring ways Americans are responding. Um... If you're going to watch these two documentaries, which I thoroughly recommend you do, watch Before the Flood first and then watch From Paris to Pittsburgh afterwards because it's almost like a follow-on. It's They're not actually um, linked in any way, but it's almost like a follow-on because it's made a couple of years later. Um, and it starts with this bizarre speech from President, uh, President Trump where he says, I was elected to represent the people of Pittsburgh, not Paris. And... He completely misses the point he of 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 what the Paris Agreement was about, and he pulls America out of it. This is an agreement that pretty much every nation on earth signed, and every nation on earth agreed to take measures to try and reduce c o two emissions and focus on renewables and and do positive things for the environment and he and he pulls America out of it. And what happens is this documentary focuses on America's response to that. Um, And one of the first things um, we see is Pittsburgh's mayor responds. He responded almost immediately, actually, on Twitter when this speech was made by saying that Pittsburgh would follow the guidelines laid out in the Paris Agreement. Um, And what we see is throughout the documentary, we see 75 cities in America say they're committed to renewable energy by 2050. Um, The documentary talks about the economy and the power of renewables. And again, I was speaking to Craig about this. I think a lot of politicians are missing the incredible opportunity we have with renewable energy, not only for the future of a cleaner planet, but also job creation. 
Um, and it, it's, I mean, it's a much more positive documentary. It talks about states like California that are making great progress. Um, that's no, the number one solar city um, in America. Um, it talks about lots of individual states that are taking their own action against Trump. Um, New Jersey being a great example of that. Uh, that's the hottest on clean energy at the moment. It's got a booming green energy economy. And it really focuses on this movement sweeping across the U.S., um, and the last thing I'll say about it, because um, I want Craig to talk about it, is the hashtag um, that comes out of this documentary or the hashtag that was trending during all of these country, all of these states going against Trump was we are still in. Um, and it was the idea that although America is out of the Paris Agreement, individual states are making that decision to try and stay in it and honour what was laid out in that agreement. Yeah, it- I, I I did really enjoy watching this. The part the reason I didn't enjoy it as much as before the flood was because of the way that it was such a localized um look at America. Now I I I prefer to see things from around the globe and how it's impacting everyone around there, but what I did enjoy and what I did like was that how you know, if you're at a local level, how much you can do to 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 change your environment um, and and change things for the better. And it is just that one person can make a difference. And as your whole community come together, you can change things from the top. Now, obviously, we have a very stubborn president in at the minute, um, and he isn't going to be changing his ways and put America back into the Paris Agreement. But the, the, the states are doing their job of with up, upholding the Paris Agreement and and following the guidelines at it outset. The problem that we have now in 2020 is is that we we need to move quicker. Things uh, are happening on a much quicker scale, and that has scientifically been proven that you know the, the the warming of the planet is happening at an alarming rate now, and one that they cannot sustain because they reckon that they could keep. If, if the, the Paris Agreement reckoned that they could keep the temperature at a, a certain degrees under by 2050, we could ch- see the change happening. But 2050 yeah. is too late um, and it, 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 things will not change. We need to take more drastic action. Um, and I don't think that's something Paris to Pittsburgh touches upon, but I think that's because it came out a bit later on. Um but to see something a bit more up to date, I would have liked to have found. But I, there hasn't really been anything this year coming out with more up to date stuff. There is probably some TV stuff that's out there, um, but featured documentary wise, these are the two that we found to be the most educational in that sense, um, and the two that really drove the message home with facts and um, and and with a visual swagger almost mm. as well. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> um, th- there was another one that I wanted to s- just to touch upon, and that was Blackfish. Now, Shivani recommended that um, on our uh, "What to Watch Whilst um, in Isolation" episode, um, and I re- I finally got around to watching that, and it was brilliant. And it is such a sad documentary because it again it is it touches upon what absolute 
beep um, we can be to to the animals that reside mm. on this planet and how much we don't know about them and how much we take advantage of of all these wonderful creatures. And if we don't stop what we're doing in terms of polluting and taking advantage, we won't have these species around yeah. anymore. And it's it's really devastating to see. And this is a horrible look at, you know, in ca- you know, keeping these animals for pleasure. And it's just, it's just so, so totally wrong. Um, and it is, it is slightly tangible in terms of not tangible, but tenuous, I suppose, um, with the connection here to this earth day special, but I just wanted to mention it anyway and just yeah. reinforce what a great documentary it is. Yeah. Would, would I be able to sneak another one in very quickly then Craig? Yeah, of course you can. Go um, it. Again, it's also available on Netflix. I watched it recently for for this episode, and it's called The Ivory Game. Um, and it looks about the uh, poachers and the poaching of elephants for, for ivory. Um, and the two mind-blowing statistics that came out of this documentary for me were firstly that African elephants could be extinct within 15 years. Um, and secondly, an elephant is killed in Africa every 15 minutes. Um, and the problem that we have is that the poachers want the elephant extinct. The less elephants there are, the more valuable the ivory becomes. So as more and more elephants are poached, less and less elephants are on earth. The price of ivory goes up and it's a horrible, horrible industry. Um, it's just another example of man's greed and just complete disrespect for the beauty of nature it's called the ivory game it's currently on netflix it's a very empowering watch and it's one that i would thoroughly recommend yeah great choice there dave great choice um floss do you have anything else that um, you wanted to put forward at all um it was not so much a recommendation of what to watch but it was more something i guess i was i should have said at the start thinking about earth day if that's okay yeah, go for it. Um, so, obviously, we're, as we record this, we're still in lockdown, and I've been reading a lot about how air pollution levels have directly had an impact, they think, on mortality rates. If you live in an area of high pollution, then you're more at risk. And also, on the other side, seeing how much the Earth has bounced back just from a couple of months of us not abusing it all day every day is quite incredible and so this particular earth day i think the stakes are kind of higher than ever that was all i was gonna say yeah Yeah, i completely agree with you there and it is it is absolutely spectacular to see these before and after pictures of highly polluted cities you know and how they were before with all the smog and now this lush blue sky is visible and it's just it's amazing to see, and it's, it is probably the only good thing, and if I can say that, that's come out of this coronavirus um, so far. Everything else is obviously terrible, but the planet seems to be easing up in the, in the pollution that's going on with it. It just makes us see that we can do this. We can, we can do less travelling by vehicles. We can do less polluting, and we can still carry on having a, a, a good life we can still eat what we want to eat we can cut down on certain things yeah a really good point to make there floss 
thanks for listening to this Earth Day special. Um, it is important to note that we are not scientists. We are just simply ordinary human beings with an active interest in the health of our planet. Uh, and we want to raise that awareness. And all the facts and figures we mention uh, have come from reputable scientific outlets from NASA uh, to the BBC uh, and National Geographic, among just a few. Uh, with carbon dioxide levels being the highest it's been for over 650,000 years, global temperatures have subsequently risen, with 19 out of the 20 warmest days on record occurring since 2001. The Arctic ice has shrunk 12.85% per decade. Ice sheets have lost a massive 427 gigatons of mass per year. Sea levels have consequently risen by 3.3 millimetres per year. That's seven inches in the last hundred years. And whilst that doesn't sound like much, that's having a huge impact on coastal towns and cities, with some being 30 to 40% underwater within the next 30 years. As the planet warms, our planet changes. The jet stream is affected and so is our weather system with more and more extreme weather events occurring. Forest fires, increased number of powerful hurricanes, floods, intense droughts, just to name a few. The Earth is our home and we are killing it. It's as simple as that. But it's not all doom and gloom. If we all take action now, even at an individual level, we can have an impact. We can change the tide and reap the benefits from growing our own food to cutting down our consumption of methane-emitting meat. It is as simple as turning off the lights, turning down our thermostats by a couple of degrees, walking or cycling instead of taking a car. It all has an impact. So for this Earth Day, do something green. Make it an everyday occurrence. Look after yourselves, keep safe and make a change. We can all do it. So it's a goodbye from me and make sure you stay safe, everyone. Goodbye from me. Stay safe. And a goodbye from me. Have a good Earth Day. Well done, guys.